0: Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. It's it. good. So for then by two handed flush from Brittany Griner. Swing it over. They've got to put him up. They don't use it. And yes, the Lumberjacks have done it.
1: Spins. season for Texas, they finished 34-0, and 0. the number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. And the first NCAA... Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 Podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, it is getting to late February, the games are seemingly getting bigger, Um And I, this is a huge weekend of basketball and we've already had a huge week of basketball. So how are you feeling here going into the stretch?
0: It's kind of in that like weird middle period where like, you know, some, obviously you're battling for like seating and stuff, but if you're not really battling for like a regular season championship, it's still kind of like that, like you know outside of like one you know moving up a spot or two in the tournament you're not really you're really just kind of looking at next week already and so it's it's kind of in that weird awkward period where like we have potential conference championships on the line regular season and then the other teams are just like yeah we just kind of want to get to the tournament already
1: (laughs) right (laughs) it's like it's all we have to look forward to at this point
0: right right and so and like we're kind of in that spot too where it's like you know we have is particularly in women's basketball where it's like, you know, there's not really many regular season conference champions. Um, and we're just kind of like, all right, let's get to the tournament. where like, actually things can maybe, 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 oh. maybe some interesting things can happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. The, um, and we have a couple of women's basketball topics to talk about as well, but let's start with on the men's side with Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston, a game that I was really looking forward to because while the whack has been how do I describe it? The WAC's been an interesting case for us because it's obviously the first year we've had to pay attention to the WAC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last year it was really just RGV for the most part. And so this year, you obviously have a huge influx of Texas schools in there. Right. And we previewed it before the year. We we're like, all right, who can take their shot at the WAC? We all said Stephen F. Allison. We said Abilene Christian. But it's been Sam Houston State. That's been the surprise. Sam Houston State has come from an awful non-conference season where they lost to UTSA, uh, lost to Boston University, and got blown out a couple times by, you know, Texas and North Texas. And then they enter conference play and... They start off 8-1. and We're like, okay, can this team actually do it? Like, You're still in. And just excluding the Texas teams I named, you have teams like Seattle, Utah Valley, uh, Grand Canyon that are all very, very good teams. And and Sam kind of stayed in the mix for a bit. Then they had a couple losses to Seattle and Utah Valley. Then they reeled off three straight wins. And then they go to Stephen F. Austin. And Stephen F. Austin, to their credit, had won, I think it was f- six in a row. Mm-hmm. And they go. So this is a big clash here: SFA and Sam Houston. And so I was looking forward to, to seeing how it played out. SFA comes out, takes a huge lead early. Um, I believe it was like 27 to 12. And because I was like, I was I was at the LSU game, and I had to I watched this game after a fact, and I was just like, damn, is like SFA gonna blow them out. Uh Sam Houston State fights all the way back, ties the game, and it goes back and forth in the final few minutes, and SFA misses a shot with about three seconds left it gets tipped out and then an SFA guard I don't know it was it was Jostle Latrell Jostle grab I think he gets the ball and he's about to heave it up with about a second left and then and the same guy kind of just like is there and then like bumps him a little bit and yeah I I, I, I texted you
0: I texted you immediately I was like they did not call that (laughs) I, I was so I was so mad like It's one of those like, yeah, if it's, you know, 10 minutes to go in the first half, that's probably getting called, but that's one of those where I will shamelessly say that I don't like being called in the the late game. And yeah, I mean, it, it, Technical answer, yeah, probably a foul, right? Yeah. But I just hate that they just, like, oh, that, you know, oh, there it is three shots, like, just, like, right off the bat in the in the last second.
1: Yeah, it was it was a painful way for uh Sam to lose after fighting back and playing really well in the second half, especially in those last 10 minutes. Uh, Ken Palm breaks it down and by, like, quarters, by, like, 10-minute quarters. Mm-hmm. And Sam Houston State outscored SFA, Twenty-four to sixteen over the last ten minutes, which includes those last two free throws. So really, twenty-four to fourteen, and a lot of it was—it was a really balanced attack from Sam. I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, on Flag did what he does: six of ten from two, five assists, uh, thirteen rebounds, five of those on offense. Uh, he was tremendous. Played all forty minutes, but then you had guys like Tristan Ike step up, hit some big shots, and with fifteen points, uh, Javon Grant. 12 points Marcus Lampley did his thing with nine it was a real balanced attack and I mean Sam Houston is at this point I'm completely bought into what mm. they what they are like maybe they don't win the conference tournament make the NCAA tournament but this has been a year that like none of us saw coming I right. did not expect them to be this competitive like Pom is still skeptical of them and has them at like 152 and I'm like if this game was played in like a neutral court they beat them again because as Sam beat them in, in Huntsville when they first mm-hmm. played and they almost did it again. Like they almost had a sweep of SFA and I don't know what else Sam Houston has to do here. I mean, credit to SFA for pulling it out. And they had a real balanced attack too. I mean, it was a really good basketball game for the most yeah. part. So uh, I just want to make sure we give Sam Houston their credit here because before we talk about SFA, because that's, this is a really good team.
0: It was, it was tons of fun. Um, you know, if, if Mark Adams wasn't uh, having the year he was at tech, you know, we'd be talking about Hooten being probably the coach of the year in the state, um, at least for uh, just for the job he's done, because yeah, like we, we looked at Savion flag, but we mostly looked at losing Zach, Nuttall. you know, we like Lampley, but would he be able to take that step up? Um, And of course going to the whack and, and kind of expecting more from, SFA and, and, and things like, and, and ACU who's, who's probably been one of the more disappointing teams uh, this year, like expecting those teams to kind of be near the top and it's been Sam Houston and yeah, like it, you know, it's a rivalry game and being at SFA, like, it, you know, there's definitely, there was definitely some other outside um
1: uh noise I guess
0: yeah yeah you know like outside uh hype and outside momentum and things like that that could have played into this game but it was it was a great game like all the way through like uh once SFA or once Sam made their run to go at SFA like it became um it was a lot of fun to watch and I I feel bad because it was Jaden Ray who fouled the who uh was the was the um uh fouled on three-point shot and that was his only foul of the game like yeah. it's like he played really well uh defensively and, it was the one it's one of those like it's one of those things where you know you want to play aggressive, you don't want to give him an open look, but it's also like, you know, how 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 close is too close in that scenario. It was also um, like
1: just coming off like a loose ball of sweat. right, right, it, right. like kind of going for it and then and then uh Jostle got it and he couldn't stop himself as he was yeah. like, calling going for it.
0: There That's was amazing. uh there were so many buckets where I mean I think Sam Houston had 40, 42 points in the paint and a lot of those were like, just like Savion flag being a man, just like him and Tristan like towards the end, it was, it was. Savion flag didn't have his best scoring game, but towards the end, it was like, we need a bucket. Like, let's just go and get the ball to like, whatever, either he puts up a shot or he puts up a and we get an offensive board or something because he will, I love watching him play so much, especially at this level where he is like more of the physical force that you're going to see. Um, and he's probably going to be the most physical player on the court. And I love watching him play whenever they need kind of one of these buckets. Um, Looking at the tournament a little bit,
1: uh, the tournament field a little bit, they're sitting right now in third, which. Yeah. There's like three teams with four losses right now with Seattle, Sam and SFO. So then they
0: they still have, let me see, two games left, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they have two games left against Grand Canyon and Tarleton, um, which I mean, you know, Tarleton's not, tarleton's not a, a an easy walk but if they hold on I and this is where it kind of gets into the interesting like the the seating thing because if they stay on the 3 I like their path a lot like I really do like their path to at least get to a semifinal because at that point they would draw let AC, me see I don't know ACU
1: or Utah Valley? They would draw
0: yeah so they would yeah exactly they draw or ACU Tarleton? or Utah yeah. um Utah Valley, who, again, we've talked about uh, ACU not being that great of a team right now, um, or at least not as great as we thought. And then you get, I mean, I'd probably rather get Seattle than New Mexico. New yeah, Mexico I would. Yeah. Yeah. And so you probably get Seattle. And so, like, I, again, it <laughs> you want to play and you want to win all these games, but it does, there does become a chess match or, like, some kind of, like, little gamesmanship about, like, okay, we want to kind of stay in the three because we want to stay on this side of the bracket. Do you wanna, you know, I don't know. It's really, it's really interesting um to kind of see where this is gonna go. Because yeah. they're not gonna drop to the five. So they're gonna get that bye week to their bye to the quarterfinals.
1: And I think uh the difference between third and fourth between Sam Houston and SFA, like if you're either one of those teams, you want you want to come in third a lot more than you want to come in fourth. Because if you come in fourth, you play Grand Canyon probably first round. Right. The Grand Canyon is significantly better in my opinion than Utah Valley and Abilene Christian. Yep. Um And that's, so that's a big deal. And then if, like you said, if you make it to the semis, then you play New Mexico state instead of Seattle. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. a big difference. So I think that battle for not
0: even that, not even that, like looking at the four, you know, you mentioned, um, uh, Grand Canyon, but also like Tarleton's potentially an eight or nine. So like, if they upset like Grand Canyon, then you get Tarleton and it's like, okay, I don't want to play Tarleton in the quarterfinals. (laughs) Like,
1: yeah. So yeah, the WAC tournaments actually is one of those ones that we, where you kind of, we kind of mentioned it earlier in the podcast. It's like, this is one of those that we really look forward to because there's a lot of teams in here that, I mean, you look at it, New Mexico state has two losses, but then it's four losses, four losses, four losses, five, six, six, seven is the next batch. And it's just like, I can't really separate, like, I, I don't feel comfortable saying Sam Houston is significantly better than Tarleton state. Right. So but then you, you look that- at
0: then you look at the losses for New Mexico, and it's like they lost to the Utah Valley, and they yeah. lost, they got destroyed by Sam Houston, right? So it's like they they have some weird. And Maybe, maybe Sam in there, Houston so- does want to play them. Uh, that might be true. <laughs> um, I don't. I have, to, I have to go back and look. We might have talked about that game. I I got to figure out like what. Oh, we that did. is like the, that's like the biggest
1: blemish. Like, oh, dude, I, what, I was, So what exactly happened? I forgot. I bet on that game. That was, yeah, that, was hard. that was I watched it. Oh man, savings State comes out and they just don't miss. They literally just didn't miss the entire game. And then New Mexico State didn't score. Like, I don't know how else <laughs> to word it. It was 18 to 7. And and then at halftime, it was what is this 38 to 18? And it just kept going. It kept going. And then like New Mexico State made it closer than it even was. Um uh, yeah, what a, I don't, even what a know, I don't know if
0: I want to. I don't know if I want to try my luck twice with that team though.
1: That was like the most immaculate start (laughs) possible. Amazing. Amazing. So yeah, that was, that's, I did watch that game. Uh, But yeah, the White's going to be interesting. Let's talk about another interesting situation here. We have in Texas, Sam, Oh, SM SMU. Yes. They had to beat Memphis and they did beat Memphis. So we oh, got it. We got to give them some credit here. <laughs> they beat them down 73 to 57. Uh, Kendrick Davis was back. Thankfully he played uh, and he played really well. And then they come beat Tulsa on Wednesday. And then tomorrow is the <laughs> Houston game, which we will talk about a bit, but let's, let's first talk about their status on the bubble. Cause I've been reading some things. It's like last four in type situation for them now. And I still think they have to. They have more work to do at this point. Because, mm-hmm. uh, to real quick touch on the Memphis game, Kendrick Davis comes out, puts up twenty seven points. I mean, six eleven from three, four steals. Like, just he's he's tremendous. He's and then back, the Weathers, back. the emergence of the Weathers, uh, specifically Marcus Weathers, mm-hmm. has been a huge development for this team. Puts up twenty points on eight on was this nine of fourteen shooting. Uh, seven boards, four assists, like they're starting to get real production. It feels like everybody's figured out their role. Yep. Zach Nuttall is, has completely relegated to like this, like he's not, he's just, he's not going to be it this year right. that's okay. Right. But the, everybody else has figured out their role and they are really, really thriving in it.
0: Yeah. I think that <clears throat> I'm looking at Joe Lenardi right now. He has them as the first team out. So they are literally, oh, they are literally on the bubble. Um, which is weird because so he has I mean I, I know that Memphis they made a great run and so Memphis has been like that was yeah. them that lost to SMU was like kind of uh, their first loss in a while and so I think he has SMU as like or uh, Memphis as like literally the last team in and so it's like it's almost um, it feels like a very a very close coin I've seen that flipped
1: that. before I've, I don't remember who because every there's every site has their own bractology and I've seen like, right. like flipped at some point but yeah
0: I mean it, it goes to show like aside from Houston, like the AAC is up for grabs and like, because well, as far as tournament goes, Houston's in the tournament, right? That's what I mean. Um, But as far as the, the, the conference tournament goes, this conference is up for grabs. Like Houston's not unbeatable as we've seen Memphis outside of that one game is, was arguably the hottest team in the, in the conference SMU. Now that they got Kendrick Davis back, like all bets are off. Like this is a, this is a conference that needs, these are teams that need kind of hot runs, right? I don't think yeah. SMU needs to win the conference, but if they make the finals, right, I think, they could, I think they could squeak in if they make the conference finals.
1: I think it comes down to one game for SMU. And while this, this Houston game is huge, well, yeah. the Houston game is huge. Yes. The Cincinnati game after that is probably the one that will get them in the tournament. Because even if you lose to Houston close, that's not going to drop you very much. But right. if you lose to Cincinnati at home, you're done they're Done, so you gotta uh, win, and then Tulane after that. Tulane's not a bad team at all, isn't Tulane? Uh, Tulane's nine and six in conference, so that's yeah. not gonna be a cakewalk either. You have to win those two, is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. then at that point, you set yourself up to where you go into the tournament and say, Okay, we don't have to win the tournament. Uh, if we just beat the teams we're supposed to be, like we beat Wichita State in the quarters or something, and then you know, play Memphis or whoever in the second in the semis and. I don't even know if they have to win that at that point, but right. those are the games to me that are going to get them in the tournament. With that being said, if you just want to keep it simple, if you beat Houston at Houston, then you're in the tournament. Like, that That is going to be a huge, that's, that's a huge win.
0: Like that is the, like, you know, a little pencil, pencil, their name in type of win.
1: Exactly. Um, so the, the bubble watch is interesting for SMU. Do you want to, do you want to look at this Houston game now or do you want to save for a little prediction segment? Uh,
0: let's save for a little prediction segment. Because right. we got, I mean, that that's a that's the the kind of mar, one of the marquee games for us this weekend. Yes,
1: yes, it is. Uh well, this is I actually don't have anything else on the mid side before we get into the preview predictions. All so right, let's, let's move let's on. Let's do it. <laughs> um I have five games here, five games this weekend. Some are on Sunday. I think all but the SMU Houston game are on Saturday. Um, but all are in the evening pretty much, or at three or later. So we're recording this at, like, 11 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, first one is Baylor, Kansas. Huge game. Huge game here. Uh, Baylor continues to kind of – I feel like people don't really know how to evaluate Baylor right now. Like, some people still have them as a two. Some people have dropped them to, like, a three. Um, but they well, it's because, keep- I mean, they're they're they're, like – they're still weirdly not healthy. Yeah. And so, like, nobody really
0: knows, like – if crier is going to be back or i think crier was i think crier is back um yeah uh, i think i think i read that uh last night but i mean crier's been out of course the Kinjos missed some games too so like people are kind of evaluating like all right what is the kind of the ceiling of this team
1: yeah it's like well crier came back for i'm looking at what game it was um was it the texas game he was back or the tech game he was back for one of those games and I, I know he's, win. I know,
0: uh, um, Scott drew said he will be back for the game today, later today. We're recording, he was this. back for the it's Texas like he, Tech game,
1: yeah, and played 15 minutes, right. but he didn't play the TCU or Oklahoma State game, just looking at the, right. the box scores. Um, because I watched a little bit of the Oklahoma State game, mm-hmm. um, which they end up winning in overtime, um, very close 66 64. So now everyone's like, okay, what exactly is this Baylor team? And I think you get Kansas at home. Their three-point favorites. Baylor, is this feels like a pretty big game to a degree, like not only in a sense of uh, obviously you give yourself a chance at like a one-seed in the tournament and like a regular season title because there's still games for Kansas to play. But, mm-hmm. I mean, just from a momentum standpoint, I feel like this is – if you get Cryer back and you beat Kansas at home, then I think people start to realize, okay – we can calm down. Baylor is at the very least a two seed, mm-hmm. and Baylor is still one of the five, six best teams in the country. Right. Yeah, That's I what...
0: think the, the biggest the biggest thing they've missed is just, I mean, outside of Akinjo, they don't have any shooting. Yeah. Like, and it's wild to say because, like, they've had – oh, sorry, outside of Flagler, um, Akinjo hasn't been shooting that well uh, from three. But outside of Flagler, like, you know, Meyer's probably been one of the more disappointing guys, I think, this year um and then of course i mean those two if you take away those two guys like they haven't i wouldn't say they have a nobody that i would rely on to to really like be a an outside. like dale bonner true true yeah yeah dale bonner but, but i'm don't, I don't, i'm pretty sure he hasn't let me see he was over two against i'm not Oklahoma super high on State him so and he was and he didn't play really again oh no he did play uh he was over for one against uh tcu yeah and so like crier and flagler are those are those reliable shooters from the outside so I mean, he needs, I mean, he he kind of needs to come back and basically be like at least eighty percent, right? Like, as far as like what he what we're used to seeing from him yeah. um against Kansas, because this team just is not the same. I mean, and we kind of hinted at it before when everybody was talking about this team versus last year's team, and we're kind of seeing like they don't have the offensive ceiling of last year. and and so I think and and when you when you lose a guy like Flagler, you just don't have the shooting depth around him to you know to put away a team like Oklahoma State to where you need overtime to do it right and even TCU who's cle- who was clearly not like as good as them we were watching I was watching that game and I'm like there's no way TCU should be this close and then yeah. finally they put the game away um, in the second half but yeah it, you know Mike Miles didn't even play that great I'm pretty sure in that game um, and yeah it, you kind of need it's weird and it's frustrating because you know everybody everybody's hurt everybody's dealing with injury but like Baylor in particular needs to be up to their usual self as far as health goes because there's so many holes with this team when somebody is out right if Akinjo's out they don't have that playmaking if Flagler or Cryer out they don't have the shooting if you know as, as we've seen with Jonathan Thamuachachua like their length has just not been the depth and the length just hasn't been there in the front court
1: yeah uh for context last year they ended the season with a 125 offensive rating, according to Kent Palm, this year they are at 118.3, which is still top 10. Still great. But that but, is a significant, significant yeah. drop. Um. All right, Kansas and Texas. Kansas on Saturday, Texas on Monday. We probably won't record a podcast before the Texas game. So mm-hmm. let's go. Two games. What do they go in these two games? Uh, um, I'm going 2-0. I think yeah, they're back. I'll go, I think I'll go 2-0. I think I think both well Texas is on the road. So that may that but I, I, I'm more worried about Kansas at home than I am Texas on the road. I don't think Texas, if Cryer plays and you know, if if they play to their standard, right. I think they can beat Texas um on the road. Kansas at home is gonna be interesting because Kansas is still Kansas here. Like I still believe in their their ceiling. So I'm gonna yeah. go to a no. I'll be an optimist here.
0: I'll go. I'll go two and zero as well. Um, I do think Texas is a little bit tricky. Um, I'm. I, I agree with you that I'm more worried about Kansas at home than Texas on the road. But I do think Texas is a little bit, especially if I gotta. I gotta see how Crier plays against Kansas. Like I just have to see because if they're not, if he's not a, if he's like seventy to sixty percent, like. I I might swing Texas in that, but right now I'll go 2-0. There you
1: go. Um, another team that has a big game today on Saturday is North Texas playing at home against Louisiana Tech. Ooh, a win gets them the regular season conference championship and uh, Louisiana Tech, and it might, in honesty, it might secure them an at-large bid. I was about to say, uh, Ken Palmchick. And I realized and I realized last podcast when I went back and listened to it. I did this on the North Texas podcast too. I kept saying automatic bid when I met at large bid. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm gonna blame you for not stopping me at any point. <laughs> oh, okay. For stopping. I kept saying they're gonna get it, they can secure an automatic bid. And I'm just automatic like bid. I'm like, Matthew, pretty <laughs> st- stop talking. So, anyways, at large we'll bid we'll say they
0: got a uh, let me see. I'm looking at Joe Lennardi's bracket right now. They have a tasty projection. Right now, they have he hasn't projected at a 12 against Alabama,
1: which, what a, buddy, what a contrast, buddy, that is a game, right? There. What is the pace like? Where does <laughs> Alabama rank a pace? It has to be top 15, I assume. Uh, 16th, yeah, against the 357th. That would be something. <laughs> that would be something. Some uh,
0: coaches pulling their hair out, in yeah, something like that game
1: someone's not surviving that one so yeah north texas louisiana tech um north texas is a six point favorite here uh, i think that's about right like I, I
0: saw i saw louisiana tech against rice and i mean again it could have just been like they were you know they just got finished blowing out utsa they were kind of you know latex probably wasn't wait
1: so they didn't get right against utsa
0: is that <laughs> no, what you're get, no they did get right against utsa but i'm just saying like they probably just like it's probably just like one of those look-ahead games where it was like you get finished with utsa you got Rice, uh, eh, but we got north texas to worry about you know yeah look and me. i mean credit to rice they they really they almost pulled it out 83 79 like it was it was a close game um i think travis evie played one of his better games of the year too but yeah it was it was it was one of those games where you're like why is this game close like you're watching yeah. it like in late in the second half but um I don't know. Was that their like little little slap in the face before North Texas where it's like you almost lost to Rice? Now get right before before you yeah. play uh the probable conference champions?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, LaTeX has not played well really the past I'm looking at it now the past few weeks, the past month really. Uh, they've they're five and four over the last nine. Uh they're Four of their five wins, you know, outside of Rice and UTSA, the first Rice meeting, I should say, have all been close. Like, they beat FIU, who's not good, by four, beat Charlotte by five, and beat Rice by four. So they're not playing their best basketball. North Texas, on the other hand, is definitely playing their best basketball. I think North Texas wins. Do they cover the six? Sure, sure. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Give me, like, 63-55.
0: Yeah, that's not bad. Well, yeah,
1: I can I can see that. There you go. That's my note. What text.
0: um we, we're we're gonna do this every week because this is how good Grandma Castlin is. Um this week, what what job is Grant Grandma suited for in this <laughs> offseason? Because we're gonna we're gonna see it, right? We're gonna see probably I think we're gonna see at least one coach in this state leave for a bigger job. Yes. Um, I'm not gonna guarantee who, but you have Texas State winning the conference again under TJ. You have obviously Graham Castlin. I think you'll see at least one coach, and and I think we'll probably have a couple of, at least I feel like one at least Power Five opening, you know potentially with TCU. But um, maybe I you know, who knows. Yeah,
1: but, I I don't maybe, think so.
0: I was about to say I think there's just two there's just too much money with Buzz Williams. Um, But regardless, we're seeing the articles pop up, right? Where I think you sent me the one uh, from The Athletic of of Ben Hallen. Yeah, Ben Hallen probably out of Mississippi State. And uh, that's one that's regionally interesting, right? Regionally where they could be like, yeah, let's take a a risk on a a guy from Texas um, who's proven to have a system and a style. So we're going to see like, – we're going to see – probably Graham Castle's name a lot more um, because he's doing, you know, this is now multiple years where North Texas is being a, a, a pa- kind of a mid-major power. Yeah. And we got to kind of, you know, we're going to have to kind of keep track of that because it, it's it's going to be every year, like every year, a couple of years ago before uh, Shaka got the Texas job and Brad Stevens got the Butler or got the Celtics job. It was always like every year, those two names were like in what whatever job came open across the country. It was yeah. always those two guys. I feel like to a lesser extent, we're going to see that with Grandma Castle in this offseason, where it's like, yeah. TCU is open? Sure, that one, you know, he has connections there, or doesn't he? It doesn't matter. Like, he's going to be in, involved for that job. I
1: was I was joking. I was like, T- I told one of my friends, like, TCU uh, is just going to start, is just hiring the SMU and North Texas coaches. They're just Sunny <laughs> Dykes, and now it's just Grandma Castle. I was loading. about to say, like...
0: Like, yeah, like, yes, yes, no joke. Like, if TCU does move on, like, there is somebody in their backyard. Um, And also, a quick shout-out, I'm going to be hammering this, shamelessly hammering this uh, uh, on on this podcast and on my Twitter. Um, If any high-level mid-major coach, I tweeted this last night, if any high-level mid-major program or a lower P5 program needs a coach, potentially North Texas, Scott Cross, Mm -hmm. come back to Texas, please. Mm Troy is 19 and nine this year. Yeah. That is three straight years of progressing. They're going to get to 20 wins. You know, when the tournament happens, bring this man back to Texas and one, get him out of the Sunbelt because I'm tired of Texas state playing. (laughs) He's too good of a coach, but also he's too good of a coach to be at Troy. Like Troy's a good program, but he's, he's, he had no ties to Alabama and he's already getting them close to 20 wins in three years. Like, if you're in UNT, if you're, if you're TCU, he was an assistant at TCU under Jamie Dixon yep. for a little bit. Um, bring him back. Like that is a guy who I think should be, I don't know if he will be in the mix for jobs because it's, he, it, Troy's probably not going to make that good of a run in the tournament, but if he gets him to 20 wins, like that's a guy who needs to be right here. And he's shown to, you know, with those UTA teams, he's shown that he can be a high level mid-major coach. And so I think he's ready for a next step. So, you know, just some names to keep a keep track on, um, and I will be shamelessly pushing pushing for the bring Scott Cross home because he's from Garland. There's no reason he shouldn't be coaching in the DFW somewhere.
1: There you go. Abilene Christian and Stephen F. Austin is the next game we have up. I believe that's mm-hmm. on Saturday. I believe that's today. It is. Yes, it is today. Yeah. Um. Uh. Stephen F. Austin is four. Or um, I haven't looked at the spread, but Ken Palm has them winning by four. Yes. It is at home for Stephen F. Austin again, coming off in a same Houston State win. I am a little concerned about a letdown against an Abilene Christian team that, while they haven't been great, it is still a top 100 defense.
0: They're still the number one defense in in terms of turnovers. <laughs> like yeah. that's
1: kind of wild. Like they're still
0: again. We've talked about how quote unquote disappointing it's been, but I think a lot of that's been on the. Um, offensive end because they're you know they just don't have those like go-to play they they weren't great on offense last year but like cold and cold joe pleasant like those guys were able to like give them something to do on offense and now they've really just kind of struggled with that um not having those two dudes so defensively they've been they've been fine like they haven't been the the field goal percentage defense that they were last year but they've been okay um and offensively has been i think the bigger the bigger
1: issue they they have one who the heck is calling me sorry they have won seven of their last eight mm-hmm. with their one loss coming to Sam Houston State in overtime. If this game was at Abilene Christian, in Abilene, I would pick Abilene Christian to win. Mm-hmm. Because I just think SFA coming off of that Sam game is tough if they had to travel. Yeah. I Do you have a pick? Uh, I mean, SFA has won
0: six straight, man. I think I'm going to go with SFA. I think that was a huge win over Sam Houston. Uh, I think they took the away game against Abilene Christian earlier in the year or two. So so. I'm going to
1: go with, I'm going to go with SFA. Yeah, they did 64 to 58. Mm. I will agree. Good reasoning. I'll agree. SFA um, wins this one today. Uh, Next Texas Tech and TCU. Not a huge, you know, really difficult game to pick, but. (laughs) Uh, none. Nevertheless, we, we, there are two Texas teams, so we must predict it. So, I want to score specific Ooh. score here. Texas Tech, for what it's worth, has moved up because I've tracked this because I cover LSU, uh, who was number one in adjusted defense on Palm the entire year. Texas Tech is now number one in adjusted defense. Rightfully so, so, shout out to Texas Tech, um, and Mark Adams for being number one in man. Um,
0: uh, who, buddy. We didn't even we didn't even talk really much about that, uh, much about that. Did we talk about the Texas Tech? No, we did. We did. not Never mind the Texas Texas Tech game. I feel I don't know why I feel like we still didn't talk enough about it. Um, too many
1: teams. We covered way too many teams. <laughs> I know, right?
0: Yeah, it's wild. But uh, they crossed Oklahoma. Yeah, jeez, oh, I'm trying to think of a score. <clears throat> Doesn't this feel like a weird like TCU is gonna like I don't want to say no, not win, not don't get me wrong, but like a weird like Mike Miles 25 point game. <laughs> Where it's just like uh, T- like text, like text, like yeah, Mike Miles can go off, but like everybody else is scoring like combined like 10 points.
1: Yeah, like, it's gonna be weird. Um, uh, I think tech, I think TC gives them a little bit of a fight. Um, I think it's gonna be kind of close actually. I'm gonna say 68
0: 65. Oh man, which is
1: actually kind of high scoring, but yeah, I was about to say
0: that's also I'm really gonna, high score. I'm gonna roll with it. Um, I'm gonna go 64 55.
1: Okay. Tech. Yeah, I like that. I'm looking at TCU's schedule. So yeah. their their front half of the schedule was so much easier, and now they've lost Tech, Iowa State, Baylor. They beat West Virginia, then they lost to Texas. Now yeah. they have Texas Tech, Kansas, Kansas as their next three games, and then West Virginia. Maybe they beat. They
0: didn't play. even they played pretty well against Texas. um I think Marcus yeah. Carr had one of Marcus Carr and, and Andrew Jones had one of their better games, but they were actually pretty okay in that game for the most part.
1: I'm just saying if they go one and three in this last four, they end seven and eleven. Which which is about <sighs> what probably which is probably exactly where we expected them to go. I was about
0: to say it's it's what we expected, but it's also like, man, just seeing it happen is just like so rough. Just cause like you know, you make so many changes, right? Like to that roster.
1: <laughs> for the year, you and I both had them going seven and eleven in conference i mean we're just it's what we do we're geniuses. (laughs) we're better it's fine we we just know everything honestly (laughs) uh all right last but not least smu houston the big game on sunday oh man this is a this is big uh it's obviously at houston because the last time they played it was at smu Mm -hmm. and that was a great game and we were like okay smu can actually do this i t- like houston's gonna be favored pretty oh, significantly yeah, at home i think it's a it's a big deal to play at home
0: mm-hmm.
1: my concern is with houston is we've seen them continue to kind of find ways to win games you, you yep. went to double overtime with wichita state like mm-hmm. that you i don't know a full strength houston isn't doing that you know mm-hmm. they beat Tulane by 14 cool But if we look at just the last five games, like since that Cincinnati win on February sixth, we look at the last five games. It's like there's there's very little that tells me that Houston is in form to where they are. You know, they're they're gonna blow out SMU. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think SMU is gonna be in the game. I think they're gonna score with them. And Houston is kind of reliant on guys to make jumpers uh, Mm -hmm. to an extent. I mean, they're number one and two point two point percentage, which a lot of that's at the rim, but some of that's mid range jumpers as well. And I don't know. I think SMU has a good matchup for Houston as far as SMU's ability to score the ball. So um, I'm going to go, I just, I can't pick against Houston. I'm going to pick mm-hmm. Houston, but there's a reason last game was 85, 83 because SMU is going to be able to score the ball. Yeah, I, I'm going to go, Houston 77
0: to 74 yeah I think Houston I mean Houston's still top 20 defense right but the, I feel like they haven't been as great the last couple of weeks um teams have shot like up upwards of 40 percent from two and uh, yeah I'm I'm gonna go with SMU as well
1: You're gonna go with SMU or Houston?
0: Or sorry, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with SMU. Yeah, not as well. Um, I'm gonna go with SMU because I like Kendrick Davis. I mean, obviously, we saw what he did in the last game. He's gonna get his points. I also think. I don't know. I feel that this is gonna be a game where Houston's gonna struggle without that that guy, right? We've seen them in those situations where, whether it's Jamal Shed trying to be that kind of that scorer or Taze Moore in some cases like you are trying to be that scorer like i think this is going to be a game where they need that and i don't know if they find that consistently um
1: i mean I that's the difference be to... that's the difference kind of between these two th- in the first oh, game oh true
0: no yeah i know 100% it was like like th- like kendrick davis was the guy that would go get a bucket and houston was like all right who's because they're so team oriented it was like all right who's the guy this set right for a while it looked like it looked like it was gonna be Jamal Shedd for a little bit, um, but he's just not a shooter. And so, like when he's not driving, it's kind of like, all right, who's gonna be the guy to that we gotta set up this shot for or something? And when you have when you have a guy like Kendrick Davis, or even you know, even to a lesser extent, like uh, yeah, he hasn't been playing great, but you have a guy like uh, Zach Nuttall or a Weathers who could, you know, if they're hot, like that's yeah. just a guy you go get the ball to. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna go with SMU. I I really. Part of it me is me hoping that they pull this off, I guess, to make this race and this conference more interesting. Like, yeah. I really think if they pull this off, like we go into the conference tournament, like I have no idea what to expect, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, part of it is definitely that, the drama of it. But I, I I just feel like there's, I don't know. I feel like there is something now with this SMU team, especially now that Kendrick Davis is healthy. Uh, Tristan Clark's coming back. I think he played about 10 minutes in the last game. Like they're starting to get healthy at the right point.
1: And not for nothing gets SMU in the tournament, which is always a good thing, would make it a lot more interesting for us. All right, let's jump to the women's side of the ball. I'm going to start with Baylor because Mm -hmm. it's not a specific game I want to talk about Baylor um, about. But Baylor has won now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games in a row and plays Kansas at home. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Iowa State as the next two games. If they win those two games, they are going to be in position for a one seed probably. Mm-hmm. Like I think they're number five in the country right now. And I just want to see where we're at with Baylor. Like, do we yeah. have have our expectations changed of Baylor? Do we see them differently as far as their ceiling goes? Because if you would, if I'd asked you that a month ago, we'd been we were both would have been like, L.E. date ceiling probably like yeah they're too streaky but now if they continue to play like this and there's you know i think there's good reason to see show that i think there's good reason to believe that they have hit somewhat of a stride and shown consistency could this team make a final four
0: i think so but every time i look at their projections i don't see them being I don't, I look at the one because they're, t- they're projected to be basically a two right now, right? I look at all the ones and I'm like, I like, it's just like it feels like too much. We're the ones. So right now South it's Carolina. Louisville. Louisville would be one of them. South Carolina, uh, NC State and Stanford. It's like I I don't know. Like, I see, like, yeah. let me put it this way. In this bracket, in ESPN's bracketology, there'd be a two with Louisville, um Arizona, Indiana, Oregon, like yeah. right like again right now, like yes, they're hit, they're on they're, hit, they're in their stride. Right. Right now they probably could beat most of those teams except for Louisville, maybe even Louisville. Um but we've seen this team like kind of waver. And so like I could see them losing to an Indiana, right? Um to where it's not as I don't know. I still think this team is, this team's floor is probably like a, a very least sweet 16 elite eight. Like, but I don't think like their ceiling is that much higher.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I completely understand what you're saying. Like I'm yeah. looking at another projection. It might be the same one as you ESPN one, uh, yeah. where they're the two and then Ole Miss is the seven. Yeah. And I saw Ole Miss play LSU. So I've seen Ole Miss play and Ole Miss has, I believe yeah, they have a top three pick in the draft. I don't remember her name. Uh, she's really good. I, with the way they're playing right now, I just can't see them losing to Ole Miss. So to go to your point, that's a Sweet Sixteen floor that we sure. have. Yeah. But at the same time, that to win two games against let's say Arizona and then Louisville to make a Final Four. Mm-hmm. Feels like I'm asking them to do way too much because of right. what the inconsistencies we've seen this season.
0: Well, I mean, and let's not like I'm trying to think. What's their so their remaining
1: schedule? Excuse I, me. Um, yeah, but Kansas, Iowa State, Texas Tech is their last three games. So, okay,
0: so I mean, there are two potential losses in there, right? Kansas, Iowa State. I don't, I don't think they will lose to them, but potential losses. If they win those three, I think they're probably locked into it too, right? Yes. Um, barring like a one-and-done in the tournament, which just probably is not going to happen, um, a conference tournament. Um, if they lose one of those, they could drop to a three. And if they drop to a three, there is – because at that point, you're talking about potentially North Carolina – running into one of them, right?
1: A UConn. A 60. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say a 60 that they might have to play. would be like Georgia. And I've seen Georgia play. And Georgia is yeah. uh, a kind of scary team.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at College Sports Madness and they have them as a three. And in that regional, they would draw UConn as a two who just got Paige Beckers back, right? Like, so yeah, I think, I think they will lock in a two. Let me put it this way. I think they will lock in a two. I think they'll win these three just because I would not put money on Iowa state week to week. Like I just don't, I, every yes. week it feels like they're like this a di- completely different team. It feels like um, they can't beat
1: Texas or or Baylor. That's fair. Iowa state. Right?
0: <laughs> they probably this is probably just because they can't, um, which means at that rate, Texas tech's probably going to beat them or something. Cause <laughs> right. of course, um, but I will think they lock in a two. And I think that is, that will get them that elite eight path. But if they drop to a three, all of a sudden we're looking at like, sweet 16 ceiling like because i mean this it's yeah. its a really weird year in terms of like the top um mainly because you're kind of seeing this like paradigm shift of like baylor not quite being as good you know yeah. obviously mulkey doing what she's doing at lsu is like okay are they an interesting team all of a sudden heading into the tournament um the big Ten's really good like it's not i don't know like typically you've looked at in in past years, like in, I mean, like f- past five years or whatever, you looked at the women's bracket and it's like okay, you can pencil in like the one season. six teams, right? Like just like boom, here are six teams. Like here, here they are. Here they are. Now it's like there's kind of like eight to ten to twelve that I'm like really kind of fascinated by.
1: Yeah, I I the, the women's tournament is going to be fascinating. The Big Twelve and then the NCAA tournament. I, I it just... feels like
0: it feels like there's like one. I mean, South Carolina, right? That's like the yes. inevitable um but like outside of them
1: it's so weird for me though because i watched lsu push south carolina to like the brink well sure so, yeah there
0: you go i mean that's like it's like even them like they're probably the the consensus number one but even then they're like mm.
1: it's it's gonna be so interesting Yeah, i will say though in this project espn projection south carolina is the one and in on this in their bracket in their region is uh yeah. iowa states the two so yeah you could just but I, UConn is the three here, so that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, if you got South Carolina, UConn in the in the quarter, in the semi, in the elite eight, right. then that's something. If you got South Carolina, Iowa State,
0: yeah, man,
1: lost oh. losses is dropping forty. Just, <laughs> I watched. That, I that's another that team WN- I watched. The WNBA
0: uh, draft reel is going to be just that Iowa State <laughs> game.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, just like that Kansas State girl that dropped sixty points. She's like, all <laughs> one just going to be her boom we're just there <laughs> but anyways yeah so uh i will be looking forward to that last um thing before we get into the one big uh topic we we still have uh, north texas played louisiana tech on mm-hmm. the road women's basketball and north texas game against southern miss which is also a big game i think you mentioned the standings i think north texas is eight and six southern miss is eight and six and la tech is eight and seven yes and the north texas southern miss game was canceled due to weather in Mississippi, I think North Texas wasn't able to get out of dent. I don't know what sort story was, but that's unfortunate because that would have really cleared up at least a little bit in the West region. Mm-hmm. Instead, we have to rely on this North Texas La Tech game to tell us a lot. Uh, and that could potentially decide the West winner, at least the, the number one seed in the West. Like I like we said last podcast, the East is significantly better on the women's side for Conference USA. But the West, La Tech, Southern Miss, North Texas are the three teams here. and North Texas has to win this game. I don't know if they yeah. will, because I still I'm scared to buy into North Texas because yeah. of how shaky they've looked the entire kind of season, mm-hmm. but their ceiling is still very high. Cause I think they're really talented. So if they have realized their potential, then they should definitely have a good shot to win this game. If they lose and fall on their face, um, then I think we, I was just probably right the entire time, but I would be happy if I was wrong.
0: One of the, we'll have to talk about this in the next episode. Cause in about two hours in the Southland, uh, we have a major game Corpus That's Christi right. and HBU nine and two, one and one and two, both nine and two. Like this is for the regular season championship by all means. um And so we'll have to talk about that in our next episode. Cause uh, Corpus Christi was one of those weird teams where like, they started off hot and like, we were trying to figure out like, okay, they've only played like three teams though. Cause how the schedule kind of broke down uh, right. due to like COVID cancellations and things like that. And now they're, I mean, they're on the brink of winning like the conference. And so HBU's right there with them. So I'm kind of, I'm going to be really fascinated to see how that game pans out.
1: Yeah. That's, that's actually really, that's a good one too. I meant to, to, to write that down. Um, all right, let's get to, let's talk some Vic Schaefer. So oh, it's man. not a podcast yeah. if we don't talk Texas women's yes. basketball. Um, I'll let I'll let you take it away because this is just this is tremendous content.
0: Vic uh, Vic Schaefer kind of uh kind of popped off. Um, he I forgot who. Let me see. I want to get I want to get the interview right because it was actually like a really good capture from them to to uh, to get him popping off. Uh, it was Bob Ballou who works for CBS Austin he was talking to Vic Schaefer and i forgot what question what question he asked or something but basically vic schaefer went on like this two minute rant about like how bad the attendance is and especially when you consider how how you see the men's games packed right for texas um, relatively packed right yes you know, well, they have their own issues yeah texas but- yeah
1: texas isn't like the the, the blue bloods but yes they're right still right getting-
0: right relatively packed um particularly you know there was that uh cool little deal they did in gregory Jim against i think it was sam houston where they you know kind of packed that um tennessee of course was like a really packed so you've seen the men's games like really packed women's games you really haven't um the only games i think you've seen a good crowd was when baylor was in town and that's because baylor draws um, and so we basically popped off about like how this team, how you have a top 10 caliber team, and you're not coming to games. Um, I believe Texas is seventh in attendance in the big 12, something like that, um, which is absolutely nuts. Uh, Danny Davis was on a uh, the Austin American States on podcast and he ran he rolled off some stats about like Tulsa draws more, like just nationally rolled off like mediocre teams, uh, Montana draws more. Um, and I think he correctly assessed at what the problems are. And there's multiple one. Yes. Fan base, right? Like you have a fan base that goes to the men's games, but loves to complain about how bad the basketball is. Right. They'll, uh, Chris Beard's offense is terrible to watch, but they're still like filling, in, you know, filling up relatively, but they're still going to those games. Meanwhile, you have a women's team that's exciting to watch, right? At least their defense and like the the way they play and Rory Harmon, you have one of the top 10 freshmen in the country. So you have the fan base who's an, an issue. I think you have the program. That's an issue. They're promoting the men's team a lot more and a lot better than the women's team. That's actually winning. Right? So I think you have an issue there. And then I think you have an issue with Vic Schaefer, not, here's where I think the divide between Vic Schaefer and Chris Beard comes in. Chris Beard is a great salesman. He's done a great job at promoting what is essentially still a disappointing team, but he's done a great job of getting you enticed. Right. You've seen the press conference clips about the mimosas and all this stuff. And like, what's the, the party at the, the, the tower or whatever they had where like all the students, like they did a pep rally at the tower and all like, He's done a great job of pumping up support for this team in ways that they haven't had that before. Um, and I think the program's kind of lot latched onto that. But I think Vic Schaefer could do a little bit more of strong arming the program to be like, we, you know, like there are some things he could be saying, like this rant was one. Um, but I think there are some things he could be doing a little bit more to maybe push the program to be like, you have a top 10 team here, right? You have things like this. Uh, I think Xavier Worthy, who's a wide, uh, one of the top wide receivers in the country, freshman wide receivers, he tweeted out that he's going to be at the game, right? The next game after that rant came out um, and a couple of other football players came out and tweeted that they're going to be at the game. I was like, good, that's the type of stuff that you know we should be seeing. Um, but I think this it, it's a lot more complicated than just they don't support women's sports. I think that's obviously an issue but I think there is a lot more that Vic Schaefer can be doing. The program could be doing. Um, and it doesn't help that Vic Schaefer came from Mississippi state where they're one of the top attended teams, you know, one of the top attended uh, venues in the country for women's basketball. I saw a lot of Mississippi state fans, like very much happy that Vic Schaefer was pissed because it's like, well, you left, you left a program that just was filling up the arena every week for you. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to hear the excuse that it's Austin versus Starkville. Like, we've seen – if there's good sports, people will go, right? And for some reason, it's just not clicking for Austin right now. So I don't want to hear the excuse that there's things to do in Austin. There's things to do in every college city. I don't know.
1: Um, I, I, I liked all the points you made. I uh, want to latch on to one. Mm-hmm. Well, to go, to go in order here, I think the Schaefer points – is, is a good point. I, I do. I think, you know, he probably needs to be a little bit more promotional. Um, yeah. But I do think it's more of an athletic department thing. Sure. Uh, I think it's more, more so on the athletic department to, to really do it being here. Yeah. And this is where my perspective is, is I'm here at LSU and yeah. I'm skewed because I've covered Kim Mulkey this year. And so obviously Kim Mulkey's going to draw a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but Vic Schaefer at Texas still is, is, is a name and it's a program that that deserves more attention than it gets. And to go to your point, I was reading a story. Uh, there's 19 unranked teams that average more attendance than Texas. Like, it's it's incredible. So um, I go, I look at one game in particular, and I look at the men's game of Texas versus Texas Tech. And not to say that Texas didn't do everything they could to try to sell it out and everything like that. I just feel like Texas fans to an extent are, are entitled to what, to what they have. And yeah. that's putting kind of bluntly, but it feels like the, the, the vibe around Texas sports right now is just in a weird place. And I think it starts with football um, mm-hmm. and it carries over to basketball. Cause obviously those are the two biggest sports or men's basketball rather. Um, and for the past, you know, decade, they've been average. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's unfair to women's basketball that has had this much success that they're being a, they're being affected by it. And I think that's the craziest thing because again, I'm here at LSU and they're getting 8,000 easy Mm -hmm. for Tim Mulkey. Like they, they sold out the arena. It wasn't actually like, there's 13,000 seats. They didn't fill every seat, but they sold every ticket. Right. And so for me, to see Texas get 2,649 for a game. Like there were more than that for this LSU, the entire, like every game this season. And then if you look at, um, miss, I think it was Mississippi state. Yeah. Mississippi state. When LSU played at Mississippi state, I covered it um, yeah. from here. Obviously I wasn't there, but they left the game. They're like, that is the most raucous. Like it wasn't the, the, the biggest environment. Like it wasn't the most people there, but it was mm-hmm. the loudest as far as like just, them just yelling at you. Sure. It's just different with Texas. Texas isn't like that. Texas isn't, I don't know if it's an elitist type mentality. I don't know if it's like, oh, like this team has to prove it to us or this coach has to prove it to us or because they've been burned in football so many times or they've been burned in basketball so many times that maybe they're just scared. There is there's no real excuse here. And so yeah. that's that's the concerning part for me is I don't know how long it's going to take them to bring it back even if Schaefer even if the athletic department does everything they can I don't know if it's going to be what this team deserves because I'm not even saying that they d- deserve a sellout or they they should have a sellout like 16,000 mm. but 2,649 right is absurd yeah. like that it's, is absurd yeah. I covered North Texas and i mean you did texas state like we've been to women's games where there's very very little few not a lot of people but those teams at least in my north texas teams were like middle of the pack conference usa teams i was like okay Mm -hmm. whatever i get it this is texas this is a top 10 team in the country there's no excuse so um and then if you look at like texas tech the men's games at texas tech we're like that's one of the greatest environments there um and texas tech has had bad football for since mike leach is gone like they don't have anything else to latch on to it's just about pride to an extent it's about embracing what you have and mm-hmm. that's what texas i just feel like hasn't done very well across the board but especially i think women's basketball is the most the most stunning example of that
0: yeah i think so i think i mean you have a guy who you have a coach who's been to two national titles, you know, you hired him away from a power um, from a women's basketball power. And like, you know, you were an elite eight team last year and probably yeah. didn't probably shouldn't have been one. Right. Like it, it was, like one of those teams where one of those ga- uh, years where you kind of think, you know, what that team is and all of a sudden they get hot and they go to the elite eight and this year you got a team that probably should be an elite eight team. Um, and yeah. And the perception, like there really isn't just like, and I know part of it is the like men's versus women's media kind of, you know, uh, 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 kind of differences because you see a lot more about how you see a lot more about Chris Beard's team than you do about Vic Shaver's team. Right. And like, you see a lot more about, and granted, you know, we've, we've partially played because they're, they're, they're kind of an interestingly frustrating team to watch. Right. And so you kind of, we've talked a lot about that men's team, obviously. Yes. But we do also realize like that team is good. Uh, This, this team is good. uh, The women's team um our our i don't want to say lack of talking about it because we, I, we've tried to really hammer it home but our our kind of coverage of them kind of revolves around their ceiling and like you know we talk about the baylor games right the, the back-to-back baylor games they played we were we were really in depth on those because we kind of we've kind of expected that we've kind of held them to a higher standard right where it's like we're not going to talk about their game against west virginia we're just not right like that's we don't need to um because we know we're going to talk about them when it comes to the big games when it comes to the tournament because we have a high expectation of them that's not to say if you're a fan you should absolutely be trying to go to those west virginia games you should absolutely be trying to go to like a lot of those other um a lot of these other games except for Baylor because Baylor draws themselves. So like, I don't want to, that's kind of another, in another basket over there. Um, But yeah, it has been, it has been frustrating to watch and I get his, his frustration. I will say one of the, you mentioned Kim Mulkey and I think it's just, it it shows the difference between
1: like a salesman coach and a non-salesman coach. Like, look at this. Yeah. So I, I, I don't go to the bars a lot. I went to a bar at LSU uh, Uh real briefly. They were handing these out party at the P Mac and it's Mulkey and it's LSU versus Florida. Yeah. 220. Come early, get rowdy, be loud. Like this caught me off guard because they handed it to me. I just shoved it in my wallet. I didn't even look at it. I got home and I looked at it. I was like, what is it? I was like, they're handing out party at the P Mac stuff with Kim Mulkey on it. Like, right. This is what I'm talking about. I I don't I don't go to Texas. I don't know what they do. But I mean, I'll tell you, Vic, I'll tell you right, Vic, right now, they're
0: not handing out on Sixth Street. They're not handing out come this. party with Vic Schaefer. Like, you know, like, Crazy. and yeah. And it's like, I mean, that's part of it, right? Like Kim Mul- you can tell when Kim Mulkey left Baylor, right? When Kim Mulkey left Baylor, she was going to go to a place where she held gravitas, where she had a say in how this program would be promoted, and how much uh, facility and and, and and power she held. And LSU is completely embraced Yes. whatever the hell she's basically wanted. And it's things like that where it's like at Baylor. Yeah. You'll see probably that if you go out to a bar at Baylor, you'll see something like, Hey, come to the Ferrell center, blah, 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 blah. We'll have, you know, we'll, we'll have all these promotions, all this stuff. Yeah. You're not going to see that in Austin. You're not going to see that in all. The, and like Baton Rouge, isn't a boring college to Baton Rouge is a great college town. So it's not the whole like, Oh, there's nothing to do in Baton Rouge. So you're going to go to the PMAC. No, there's plenty to do in Baton Rouge. And so,
1: careful, yeah.
0: And so like, it's, it, yeah, it it comes, I think that's where it comes down to like the Vic Schaefer and he might just be an old school coach, right? He's a Gary Blair disciple. And so it's like, something tells me those guys aren't necessarily, you know, going out and pumping up fan bases and all that stuff. Like they're, they're more, they're ball coaches. They're old ball coaches. Um, Kim Mulkey's an uh, energetic spirit. Uh, Chris Beard's an energetic spirit. And so like they promote right there you could tell that Vic Schaefer is more the guys like yeah that's for Christelle Conte you know that's for the athletic director yeah um and when you're in a sport like women's basketball that's already playing kind of with a with their hand tied behind their back as far as exposure goes like you gotta kind of be a little bit more
1: (laughs) yeah and there's definitely enough blame to go around here I mean oh yeah 100% I think and I think Schaefer getting mad at others is actually like you said a good idea on his part it's a good thing on his part to bring awareness to this whether that is going on a rant whether that is just embracing every single every single press conference you get because there have been games where lsu players uh in the post game or just in their normal media availabilities have been like hey we need all the fans there we need this and that like that is a regular occurrence for the women's basketball team at lsu Mm -hmm. and i again i don't cover texas but that's just kind of what it's it's on everybody
0: yeah and i will say i think i've also heard on the on the statesman podcast where they were talking about just kind of and this is this goes back to kind of another Vic Schaefer thing where it's like they've had press conferences where they just haven't had a player or like they've had press they've had like they've had media availability like you know canceled or things like that or they there's been players on the team that they haven't talked to all year you know and so it's like it goes back to that where it's like okay well let's see some of these stars right like um, I think Cedric Golden on the podcast made the point where it's like there are other outlets besides the Longhorn Network that can promote you guys, right? Like, I get that there's a deal there, and so of course, they're going to get all the cool stories for the Longhorn Network and the interviews and all that, but you could also give them some exposure to be like, hey, where they can get an opportunity to say, hey, come out to the game against Kansas or whatever, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know, plenty of blame to go around um i hope this does spark something pretty well because like i said that xavier worthy that xavier worthy tweet went pretty viral about him going to the game so i do kind of hope we see like a little uh, boost in attendance towards the end of the year um uh, because they play let me see we're recording this on saturday they play later today at seven o'clock against tcu um which will be again if this is the that's a game where if you want to see this team kind of in action like they're going to win that game and so like kind of go see yep. what this team is like when they're clicking
1: yep uh, I see a tweet from and over Damarvian Dem, Overshawn uh, mm-hmm. as well saying he's going to be there. Um, I don't like to pin – like I feel like a lot of the, some of these tweets are like pinning pressure on the football team to show right. up when sure. it's not on the students. I and mean, if there's oh, one yeah. thing I've learned, and this is what Mulkey said as well, is like – you just know you're not going to get the same student turnout that the men get. That's just oh, yeah. at the moment. you have to right. cater to families. You have to cater to older people. You have mm-hmm. to know who you're marketing to here. So dependent on football players is, is just not, I don't think that's the right Avenue. I think you, it's all done before the season as well. It's done mm-hmm. in those, those lunch, luncheons. I can never say that word luncheons, <sighs> like all the, the availability that you do where you're meeting yeah. with. And that's what, and that goes to the Vic Shea from Mulkey point. Mm-hmm. Mulkey is going to have those, those uh, lunches, those dinners, where she has two hundred people there and just shakes all their hands, you know, and does everything. I don't know if, how much Schaefer does. I'm sure he does it to a degree, but it's just different.
0: right. Yeah, hundred percent. And like you know, it and part of it is like that's also part of the 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 job of going to Texas. Yes, right. Like Mississippi State is just gonna draw more. Because one, yeah, Starkville is not the city that Austin is, but also they just support women's basketball more, right? Like that's just how it is. And that's how te- men, Texas men, we've talked about Chris Beard, like he, he's had issues bringing people out, right? He's had to go to like the mimosa, whatever yeah. thing to get people to go like Texas, just part of us, the Irwin center, right? You play in this cavernous sixteen thousand person arena that nobody likes um so you hope that the the new arena is going to be better for that but like you know basket texas just hasn't supported basketball as as well as the other powers should be so like that's part of the that's part of the the job i guess is like just kind of coming to terms that there's a ceiling with how this team is going to be supported usually especially until that new arena is built
1: yeah i mean i was just reading through stories there was a i think it was 2018 or 19 the volleyball coach at texas got
0: oh I yeah that's right there contender. was uh they they that was that's like a national title contender and like he yeah. was trying to like hey come out and support this team
1: yeah so i so like i said it's on everybody it's on the fans <coughs> like department Schaefer. um it's an interesting interesting dynamic here that we'll see i mean it's the end of the year now at this point so there's not right. much left to do um but something we'll definitely look forward to seeing uh in years to come because that's something like I said Mulkey is using that in recruiting as well it's like hey she even told her team I think before uh, I don't know if it's halftime or before a game before uh SEC game against some not good team uh she was just like hey imagine if this was in Baton Rouge how many people would be out there like <laughs> instead of it being 2,000 people there'd be 8,000 people like right. it's just it's just different like yeah. that's that's what she says so uh we'll see how all that plays out but this was a fun podcast um busy week so we hope we get this out to y'all enough time listen to it um whether it's before or after the games uh we hope y'all enjoy it uh you can check out all the content we're gonna have some uh probably talk some high school basketball at some point here it's gonna Mm -hmm. just get really busy over the coming weeks so who knows but yeah uh (laughs) probably have some high school basketball talk just once the state semifinals or quarters start start uh, heating up a bit so uh, stay tuned for that we'll have another podcast out definitely early next week um, as well so um, be on the lookout for that uh, follow us on twitter at dct basketball follow Ishmael on twitter ishmael r johnson follow me on twitter at matthew Bruni underscore leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast apple spotify or otherwise uh, we appreciate y'all for joining us and we will talk to y'all later